1: Cameron Rogers. Guys, I'm so excited to share with you today's episode. We are joined with Sports Illustrated model, like no fucking big deal. Are you kidding me? Emily DiDonato. She's also an incredible content creator on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. She is freaking doing it. She is the face of Maybelline. So you've probably seen her somewhere. And she's an overall just beautiful human. I loved recording this episode. I have been a consumer of her content, a follower for a while now. I love her. I love what she talks about. I mean, she's the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Good morning, friends. I am so excited to have on today's guest, Emily DiDonato, sports illustrated model and content creator, truly one of the most beautiful people inside and out. I've never met her, but from what I can consume on social media, I mean it. Um, So thank
0: you, Emily. I'm really excited to have you here. Oh my god! Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. So nice of you to say. all that about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is very true. I'm really excited
1: to learn more <laughs> about your journey, but also share your story with our community. I first—I I forget exactly how I found you, but I remember really when I like actually started actively following because you know how when you follow people but they're never on your page and it's like okay you're like oh I know who that person is I never see any of theirs yeah I remember I watched your YouTube video which we're definitely going to get into all about your journey of body confidence and self-love and it really resonated with me. And obviously we have very different careers, but I remember that was the point where I was like, okay, this chick is awesome and I need to actively follow what she's doing. So that was my selling moment for you.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I'm glad that that's kind of your connecting point with me. I know that video resonated with a lot of women and that makes me really, really happy. So great.
1: (laughs) Yes, it definitely did. So
0: to kick things off, how would you define success? (sighs) I think I would define success as feeling fulfilled and content in what I am doing. So I don't really think success is about necessarily being number 1 in whatever industry you are in. For me, I always feel the most successful honestly when I feel also organized, but yes. also I feel content and I feel fulfilled by what I'm doing and I feel inspired by what I'm doing. And it's definitely taken me quite some time to find that flow in my, my life, my personal life and my career. But I feel like I've gotten there. Um, but that's kind of how I define it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm curious because you do wear a few hats, but I guess if you were to choose like the two main ones, it would be modeling and content creating. And when you compare those two, do you feel success in different ways depending on the career or the hat you're wearing
0: at that moment? Absolutely. So as a model, success, definitely, I feel like you can see it more outwardly, right? You can look at it Mm -hmm. and I can see myself in a magazine cover. And logically, I know that that's a big deal. And that was an important job or a great photographer. And that is success kind of in that way. For content creating... It's not necessarily that when I post a video, it gets like millions of views and that's what makes me feel successful. It's kind of everything leading up to that point, all of the organization and the prep and like getting excited about a guest or creating a video, going through the process of editing something and just feeling so excited about it. And then it coming into the world, that whole process is what makes me feel really successful and just really fulfilled. And then when I birth it into the world or hit live on Whatever platform it is, it just makes me feel really, really good. If that makes sense. I totally
1: agree. You know, I I totally agree. I can't speak to the modeling, but I can understand how it's more of a tangible I, you know, I got this gig, I'm in this magazine. But with the content creating, it almost, is, in my opinion, the when I feel most successful is less about the tangible asset when it comes to numbers, but more of like, okay, how did this resonate? Did yeah. it sit well with my community? Am I in, am I actually making an impact? Like I think about TikTok, for example, you know, I've had videos that have gone absolutely viral, but I don't find them impactful. It's just like a funny thing that happened yes. and that doesn't feel successful to me. It's like the one video that gets maybe a quarter of the views, but people are messaging me being like, this helped me because of XYZ. This has changed my mindset. And that to me is more fulfilling and successful.
0: I completely agree. Like I recently put up a video on um, YouTube where I was talking about mindful eating with a dietitian, and I got countless messages. Same with my body positivity videos. So many messages. I still get messages about that video. And it was like a year and a half ago. So many women saying that it resonated with them or it really helped them. It helped them change the way they think about certain things and that to me is just like I made a difference and I helped someone else so I also kind of I guess success also f- falls into that bucket for me as well and I feel like I'm helping people yeah. and making an impact you know
1: definitely and I'm yeah. um, so the video that went viral which we can call it viral cuz I think it went viral um <laughs> the body positivity and self love it was really you just like talking through your journey obviously there's a lot that comes with being a model. And in this industry, I cannot fathom the things that you have probably, I mean, I saw another video that you posted on TikTok of like things that I've, that have been said to me as a model. I, I mean, it's, I feel like the last industry to catch up with this movement and realize yeah. you can't say certain things. So how, I'm curious if you can take us back to the beginning. How did you even get involved in modeling as a career?
0: Um, So I started modeling in my junior year of high school. And I had been told when I was younger that I should be a model or try modeling. But obviously, that didn't seem like a tangible career option. I had no idea how to get started in that. But lucky enough, I was scouted in a mall in Connecticut when I was about 15 or 16 years old. And they were basically like, it was a, uh, she had an agency in Connecticut. And basically, she was like, I can introduce you to agencies in New York City. And I was kind of like, is this a scam? Like, I have no idea what is going on. So that ended up happening, and I got introduced to my first agency. And this was my junior year. Like I said, I literally went on a full day of castings, and then within the week, I booked a Ralph Lauren campaign. And very quickly, yeah, it happened like so quickly. At that point, literally, my parents were driving. I'm from upstate New York, literally. I'm from upstate New York originally. So my parents were driving me from upstate New York to the city for castings and then just driving me back. (laughs) And I think about it. I know. So they were doing that for me because I didn't have my license yet. And then I booked this Ralph Lauren campaign. And then very quickly, I was like, okay, like this is happening. I guess I'm a model now. So that's kind of how it started. And then from there, I started booking editorials for magazines like Glamour. And then very shortly after that, I got my Maybelline contract. So it really happened, all of that part really quickly for me, which I'm really grateful for because I don't know if I would have lasted if I had been out there for years, you know, pounding the pavement, right. trying to make it happen because it's a tough industry for sure.
1: Very tough. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, I can yeah. say that it's tough, but obviously I have no idea what it's like being on the inside. And when you were in your early modeling career and, you know, is it fair to say like you're one of the faces of Maybelline? I feel like you're on every yeah. Maybelline something. Okay. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So when you started this career how did it affect, like, what was your relationship like with your body and your beauty and your weight and all of that and size? And, you know, what were the comments you were receiving and how did that impact you? Because you were in your very formative years, in my opinion, at that age. And, you know, we all hear a lot of things over our lifetime, but I do think those like late teenage comments really Mm -hmm. mold your thoughts about your own body and your
0: relationship with food and exercise and all of that. Totally. So I was in my junior year. And at that point, I played sports all my life. I was playing varsity, basketball, soccer and lacrosse. And at that point, I was an athlete, you know, I felt positive about my body. I wasn't obsessively looking at it. I wore a uniform every day to school. So I really like did not, you know, sort of examine my body in any way, you know, Mm -hmm. just wearing the same thing every day and going to school. When I started modeling and started getting comments, it's interesting because I was at this point with my body and exercise where I realized, oh, if I don't eat, you know, this, this, and this, you know, if I don't eat Burger King every day after school, I look better, like, in my school uniform. And so I started Mm -hmm. getting these comments from agencies and from clients, and people would say, you know, she's too athletic, she's too curvy. You know, she's not a size zero or a size two. And I definitely wasn't. I was a size four six coming into the industry and that was like unheard of at the time, like totally unheard of. Because I, I was is so insane if we think about that. Comment. Especially like, now, right? Yeah. Like yes. everyone was either one or the other. You were either straight you were either straight size or you are a plus size model. Um mm-hmm. so I think, like you said, I was definitely at an age where I was easily influenced. So when I was getting that feedback, I was like, okay, like, I just need to change this, this, and this, and I need to work out every single day. You know, that's, it's easy. You know, I'll just check all these boxes. But then I think the more I realized I could manipulate my body, the more obsessed in a way I got with it, because I was like, okay, like I have people who are waiting on me and waiting to see results and waiting for me to lose weight. And I equivalated losing weight and fitting into this mold as success, kind of going back to what we were saying. What is is success to you? At that time, it was like, how can I be thin and how can I do what other people are telling me to do? Because I was young Mm -hmm. and I felt like if I do what other people tell me to do, then I'll be successful. So if I'm thin, that means that I'll be able to succeed in this industry. And that means like everything will be great. So it definitely created this obsessive kind of negative cycle. And it took time for me to come to peace with sort of that inner dialogue that I had for a really long time.
1: Right. I'm sure because... Also, you have to think about like you're trying so hard to be successful in a business and an industry. And that is so deeply tied with those things that you just mentioned. And so for you, you're probably thinking, like, okay, but I want to make it. I want to be a model. So I have to do what these people say. Like they're older than me, they're in the industry. I don't have a choice. And then I'm sure it becomes just like
0: continued behavior that's almost been ingrained in like what is the norm. Right. And it was also, I was, at that age, and I had so many people very early on in the industry who believed in me. And that added a whole other layer of stress in my heart, because I was like, these people believe in me, they see potential. So I can't let them down. And I think that added this whole other layer of psychological warfare happening for me, because I just wanted to do a good job for people. So that's what happened with that. (laughs) Oh, I struggle with that so
1: much. Yeah. And it's like a mix between being a people pleaser. And I I struggle to say I'm a people pleaser because I know I definitely piss people off. But I just really hate letting people down. It is like really difficult for me. And I put so much pressure on myself with these unrealistic expectations and, you know, ideas that if I do something, I'm failing someone else, which is so false. But, you know, we get
0: in our own head and we create these alternate realities. Exactly. It's something I'm still working on to this day, you know, setting those boundaries and, you know, knowing that I'm not maybe doing everything all the time perfectly, but sometimes that's okay. But it's really hard to get used to that.
1: Same. Well, we're a work in progress.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So
1: when... As you were getting older and I guess more well-known and well-versed in this industry, when did you feel like there was a switch of how you began to treat your body and that relationship you had with exercise and food in a positive way? When did you feel like it turned over?
0: Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I reached that point where I was in that really negative cycle and I was continuing to lose weight and continuing to lose weight and really kind of pushing it. I got very, very thin. I thought, here I am. I made it, you know, I'm thin enough. I'm fitting into clothes. I can do fashion shows. And it actually kind of had the reverse effect for me because the clients that I already had, the ones that I received, you know, kind of got when I got into this industry and I was not, you know, this double zero that I tried so hard to get down to, they kind of looked at me and they were like, what the heck? You look Mm kind of crazy. And I did look crazy. I looked totally unhealthy. So then a couple of things started to get threatened. People were saying, you know, she doesn't look like the way she did when we started working with her. Is she okay? That started to creep in. And then also some people that I worked with all the time were definitely concerned with me. And luckily I had made some great friends and they were kind of like, listen, you don't seem okay. What is happening? So I was like, okay, people I love and care about are concerned about me. Also, this isn't getting me any jobs, which it wasn't. I really thought it was going to like make a difference and it wasn't. So I was like, this is actually a total waste of my time and mental energy. So then I kind of swung on the total other direction, right? I was, I just kind of gave up and dropped the ball on all the obsessive habits and things that I was doing. I was just like, it's so exhausting. It's not making me more successful and people are worried about me. So I really just need to like, let go of this for a moment and take a break. And I actually took a break from working. I think for like three or four months I moved home because I was so fried. I think my whole body emotionally, physically, and spiritually, I was just, Dead because I was on a hamster wheel. I was like really Mm -hmm. trying hard all the time. Like, staying as thin as I was was not, it was a full time job, psychologically and physically. Um, And then I just gave up on it. I was just like, I can't do it for another second. It's not making a difference. So then I gained quite a bit of weight after that. And I think I said this in my body positivity video, but that was a whole other you know, psychological challenge for me because then I gained weight and I definitely looked heavier than I did when I started in the industry. I was definitely way heavier than I was, you know, a month or two prior. So I had to learn to get used to my new body and find balance in it. So it took time. Like I had it's I'm still a work in progress in terms of Mm -hmm. feeling comfortable in the skin that I'm in and feeling comfortable in my body the way it is today. It looks different each day, each week, each month. And, you know, just being okay with that is still something that I, you know, am working on. Definitely.
1: And I think, I mean, we obviously had different experiences, but for me, I became like pretty obsessive over things right out of college and lost Mm -hmm. all this weight and it was the same thing where it was, I almost thought, okay, well, if I get back to this size that I was chasing from like, I I don't even know what size, it must've been like a high school size because I know I was smaller by the end of all this than I was in college. And it was like, if I get there, then I'll be happy. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what I thought was going to happen, but I reached that point and realized I was the least happy I'd ever been. I was so anxious. I was depressed. I was crying for nothing, over nothing. I was so stressed about everything I was putting in my mouth. I was so stressed about when I could get to the gym. Like this hamster wheel, like you said, it took up so much mental space. And I think when I finally hit that breaking point and was like, this isn't how I want to live my life, it's interesting because after gaining weight and, you know, I probably gained like 25-ish pounds and now I'm on the other side of it. Even though there are, and I think that this is something that isn't discussed enough. It's like, yes, I love my body more now. I am so much happier. But there are still moments where that, like, comparative thought Mm -hmm. comes in like, whoa, you look different than you used to. And you have to really like check yourself and sit down and assess it and be like, okay, we don't talk to ourselves like that anymore. Yes, I look different, but you know, we're all continuous works in progress. And I don't think it's realistic to ever say like, oh, we're going to get to this point where every single thought is positive and we never feel uncomfortable. And we just love everything about ourselves because I think when I used to hear people say that and I was in a not so great spot, I was like, I can't even love myself. Right. Like I can't mm-hmm. do anything.
0: Right. <laughs> I completely agree. Like going back to what you said about being like, I'm trying to get back to this point or the size that I was in high school, or like I was saying the size that I was when I walked into the, this industry, I've been really trying to challenge myself to say like, why am I trying to get back to a weight or a size that I literally was when I was a teenager. Like it's it's so unrealistic why are we always looking backwards? You know, I'm trying to say like each day, I'm just trying to be better and be better than I was yesterday in terms of how I treat myself. But I'm not saying, hey, I want to look the way I did and fit into a pair of jeans I wore when I was literally 16 years old. Like when I say that out Mm -hmm. loud to myself, I'm like, that's literally silly. You know, there's it's it's exhausting and it's just not going to happen. So how can we reframe that? But yeah, it definitely the, the mental space that it opens up when you stop holding yourself to those standards is incredible, but you're really the only one who can open that floodgate for sure. (laughs) You really are.
1: And exactly what you said of like comparing it when you say it out loud. I once had the realization I'm turning 29, but well, tomorrow. So by the time this episode comes out, I'll be 29. And I was comparing myself to like this 18 year old version of myself. And I'm like, that is 10 years ago. Imagine if I was 18 comparing myself to my eight year old body. Like, yes, obviously you grow a lot more during those 10 years than the latter, but still like 10 years makes such a difference. So much shit happens both mentally and physically. And it's so draining for us to keep chasing uh, over like a past version of ourselves when that doesn't, assess, it doesn't include any of the personal growth that comes with that weight you might be gaining.
0: Totally. And I think like getting used to those long periods of time, right? So we're saying we're I'm 28 years old now, I want to look the way I did when I was 18. But getting used to those changes, I feel like is so important. And what I'm actually Mm -hmm. working on now is like I used to get so mad at how much my body would fluctuate throughout a month with my hormone cycles because I just, for some reason, especially when I was younger and I'm still struggling with this, I would say models always look the same. They always look perfect. The ones that I see always look, you know, totally perfect and toned and not bloated. And I'm bloated, I feel like, for like half the month or like when I eat like (laughs) – three French fries. And I used to be so hard on myself. So now I'm like, not only is my body obviously going to change throughout the years, I'm going to have children, but my body will also change throughout the month. And that's okay. And I should just get used to it because it's not going away. Right. It's it's not changing. The other thing
1: is that I remind myself, like, you know, the days where I wake up and I am super bloated or constipated or whatever from something I eat, it's like, this is all temporary. Right. Like, my anxious mind goes immediately to, this is the new normal. And, you know, everything, emotions, physical, like, feelings, they're all temporary. And reminding myself of that in those moments is oddly helpful for me. I don't know. It's comforting. This too shall pass. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It all gets better. Um, Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, where do you see the model or how have you noticed the modeling industry change over the years and where do you see it hopefully going in the future?
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, when I first started, it was very much every model was 510 or 511, a double zero, and it really did not go far from that. Um, and it was tough, like I said, when I came into this, but obviously things have changed so much. We're seeing so much body diversity, which is amazing. Women of all different shapes and sizes and ages. And that has Mm -hmm. been, I remember when I first started to see that happening, actually, I feel like one of the first models that I saw who was not a typical straight size model really being celebrated was Kate Upton when she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And then she was like on the cover of Vogue a few months later. She really sticks out to me because I remember being like, wait, like, She looks kind of like I look and people are super jazzed about her. And I was like, things Mm -hmm. are really starting to change. And, you know, then you started seeing women who are even totally different than her, totally different from me. I feel like we're just starting to see so much more diversity in every single facet. And I'm so happy about that because it's like it's just unrealistic to show Women all over the world, the exact same shape, size, color of ideal woman, and be like, yep, like this is it. And we hope you want to look like this too. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, right. oh my God, ridiculous. Yeah. And so I feel like that has been a major change. And aside from that, the other major changes has been social media has completely changed the game. And yeah. I think for in a lot of really, really great ways, some people might argue differently, but that's made a really big difference.
1: I think social media has such incredible and detrimental attributes mm-hmm. to it. And for me, exactly what you were saying, like the first comment you just made of we're all seeing the same thin white woman who looks a very specific way and we're all supposed to want to look like her You know, for the majority of our life, I do think that's changing. And with that, I think it's in tangent with the growth of social media. And I know for me personally, I went through and was like, okay, who am I following? And mm-hmm do I feel worse about myself when I leave someone's page? Then why the hell am I following them? And a lot of times it's nothing on the – I mean sometimes, yes, the creator is like creating this false reality in my opinion by using like altering apps and stuff like that and only highlights and – I get that it's a two-way street, but most of the time it's actually my emotions reflecting onto the creator. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't make me feel good about myself, then like I just need to unfollow or mute that person for a while. Maybe I'll come back to them. Maybe I'll realize I don't need to consume their content, but it has such an impact on your own emotions by like what you're consuming. And for me, I went through and I did a full cleanse and not only did I unfollow people, but then I said, "Okay, who will make me feel better about myself?" And I actually yeah. found a lot of these people on TikTok first.
0: And oh, totally. I,
1: yeah, like TikTok, I found so so um like not crippling. I I really hated it in the beginning. I felt it was mm-hmm. toxic. I was getting all of these like small thin 16-year-olds in bikinis, what I eat in a day. I'm like, oh, I hate this. I don't look like any of these people. Then I started to find people who were encouraging and inspiring and looked like me or didn't look like me and really opened my eyes. And I started following them across all platforms. And I have noticed the most massive shift in my personal love for myself and my body by following people who look different than the mainstream media female we've been shown for the first 20 years of our lives. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think social media has a huge role in that because I think people are able to build their own platforms and they might not look like the model that's being picked by every agent, but they're just a person in their home able to have a platform and
0: share their real self. Totally. I love that you say that too. I did the exact same thing with social media kind of purge in terms of Mm -hmm. who am I following? Why does this person trigger me? It makes me feel bad. And for a long time, I would kind of blame other people for that. I'd be like, why is she posting like a six pack every single right. day, <laughs> but I feel like it's we really get it. Important. We get it. But I feel like it's really important to take that responsibility. Like you really are responsible for your own little digital world that you create. And I was the same way. I had to mute certain people or just say, you know, it's just no for now. I'm in a certain place where I can't process. What you're posting in a healthy way. And you really can create a positive little inner world for yourself. You just have to go out of your way to do it. Otherwise, the algorithm's just gonna show you stuff that everyone else might be watching, which is gonna make you feel horrible.
1: Right. And and that's why I think social media can be detrimental, but but it can yeah. also be so incredible. And I mean, I'm so grateful for the community that I've created on here, and I'm sure you are as well. And I wonder like, where do you see your content creation going? Because I think it's a huge part of your business. I'm um, just like as a consumer, I love what you're putting out there. And I'm curious if you have any, I mean, I hate when people ask me like, what's your goal? What's your plan? No, so no. Don't yeah. I have one, But I am <laughs> curious. I'm just always curious like where other creators see their pages going.
0: Yeah. I feel like You know, YouTube had quite an impact on me. And when I started, when I started my YouTube channel, I feel like I started going in this direction or having a better vision for what I wanted. And I think for now, I really just want to focus on continuing to create this community kind of like you said, I just want to connect with as many people as I can and do it in a positive way. I want to have a positive impact on women. I want them to understand that even though I'm a model and, you know, outwardly, it might look like I have this super glamorous life. I'm a normal person. I go through things, you know, very similar to everyone else, actually, completely similar. I'm just a normal <laughs> person. But I think, in general, in creating this community, maybe one day I want to launch my own business. I'm not sure what that is, but I feel like I know that I'm in this unique position that people are interested in my life and what I have to share. And I'm so grateful for that. And I have such wonderful, sweet followers. Whenever I meet them, like in New York, they're always just. Really cool girls I would actually be friends with. Isn't
1: I'm like, this is awesome feeling. Oh my god, it's I'm
0: like so much fun meeting people. Oh, it's so nice and it's really interesting because I used to get approached occasionally. People would be like, you know, more so, oh, you're that model from this or you're that model from that. Now I get approached all the time. People say, oh, I'm subscribed to your YouTube channel. Like, it'll literally be a girl behind me in the coffee shop, and we just start talking. And I'm like, we would literally be friends in real life. Like, yeah, you know that's the best feeling ever. So I feel like one day I would love to start my own business and share something that would positively positively impact women. I think I just need to figure out what that is. But for now, I'm just trying to create positive and inspiring content that women hopefully relate to. So that's kind of, I don't know if that, that was a roundabout way of answering yeah, your no. question. <laughs>
1: I mean, none of us can really have set game plans when it comes to content creation because things change. Like if you had said two years ago, what's your plan? No one would have ever included no. TikTok because yeah. we didn't know what existed. <laughs> so You have to be ever evolving. But I think you're on that path. So, I mean, as a consumer of your content, I definitely feel great about myself, empowered. You know, you, you really do bring a positive message. And I'm curious what your favorite characteristic about yourself is.
0: Oh, my. Um <laughs> oh, oh man, oh man, oh man. <laughs> my favorite characteristic um is it one that I've always had or something that I've adopted? Can be either, I either guess. Either one. Yeah, either. Um you know, I think that I appreciate my willingness to experiment and try new things. I think for a long time as a model I was just like this is what I do and there's nothing else to it. I show up and I take pictures and you know, I hope they're happy, but I've really embraced kind of dipping my toe into different platforms, different types of content, you know, meeting new people, reaching out to different people. I really just try to always experiment and explore and figure out ways that I can grow and take myself out of my comfort zone. I think I, I try to do that. And even when I'm sharing new things on my social media platforms, I'm like, I have no idea if anyone cares about this. But my goal is always to have a positive impact on the people who are consuming this content. So let's see what happens, you know? And mm-hmm. I always look at everything in life as that, as a kind of ongoing growth opportunity. <laughs> it's a great way to look at life. And also, I think so
1: many of us are scared to try new things. And it's so important because you never know what's going to stick. You never know what you're going to love. I always say, like, you don't know what you don't know. So if, unless
0: you try it, you have no idea whether you're going to love it or hate it. Exactly. And you can never fail when you have that mindset as well. Like when I, I'm like, whatever, that was a test anyway. I didn't know if anyone was going to like it, but right. now I do.
1: <laughs> you know? Right.
0: I, I feel that way about real estate
1: right now. I'm like, okay, I tried to do real estate, it did not work. <laughs> Maybe I'm just over it. Maybe it's just not going to be my thing.
0: You know, added to the list of things to kind of figure out, I am also doing my best to figure out that one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just, I feel like it's trying a little too hard to be like TikTok. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's literally the exact mock. And I have to ask just because I love this story so much. And it was one of the TikToks. It's, I mean, I had followed you on other platforms, but it's how I then found you on TikTok. Can you please share your story of meeting your husband? Because <laughs> I just think it's like unlike anything else I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so um I know it's one of my most viral TikTok It has like 14.5 million views. It's, it's insane. In, that's insane. <laughs> that's the other husband,
1: wild thing about TikTok that it can just
0: blow up. No social media. My name his name is Kyle. Oh, neither. He has none. So when I show him that he's like, "Emily, what the hell?" I'm like, you're welcome. Like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Joe <laughs> um, doesn't have social media either. And he got <laughs> mad at me for a second when I posted a video that was like kind of similar. It was an AIM chat from when we were in high school because we oh, were that's cute. when we started dating. And he was like, you'll never be, he like kept asking me out as a joke. And I was like, quit asking me as a joke. And he's like, we'll never be serious. And I'm like, don't make promises. You can't. Keep or something, oh. and I found it right before our wedding. I like went on my old computer and found our AIM chats, and so I posted a TikTok of that and then vit photos of us. And he's like, "I just don't, I don't get this. What's what
0: is the point?" I'm like, "You don't have social media, you don't understand, but it's cute. Like, just say thank So you. cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my husband and I we met on a flight from New York to Denver. So we sat next to each other. He was flying to Denver for like a work ski trip. And I was flying there to shoot the cover of Vogue Australia. We sat next to each other and midway, I like woke up from a nap. I was wearing like a sleeping bag jacket and like UGG boots. I'll never forget it. I like woke up from a nap, missed the meal, was like watching him eat, kind of sitting there doing Sudoku. And then he said something to me and we started talking um, and it was funny because then when we landed, my best friend texted me. Her name's Janine and her name popped up on my phone. It was like sitting between the seats, and he was like, Oh my god, I know her. I was just skiing with her like a few weeks ago. So I was like, Wait, this is super weird. That is so um, small world. So we lived across the street from each other in New York. We were both from Shut upstate up. New York. We had like so many weird connections. Um, After that, he called me quite a few times. And I was like, I don't know why this guy I met on the airplane is like calling me all the time. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) I was just like, I wonder what he wants. Duh. He wanted to like go out. (laughs) Um, And then a couple of weeks later, I was in New York. Luckily, I was like traveling so much of the time, totally distracted, which I think is helpful, you know, in that situation he was chasing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I don't know, I'm working. I'll see you whatever." Um, he's like, let me chase harder. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, so then we met up in New York and he came to my birthday party. I think I invited him and then we've basically been together ever since then. So, yeah. It's just really crazy. Like I I it's remember best. the day so vividly as well. Like I still have the emails and I actually wasn't even supposed to be on that flight. It got changed because it was snowing in Colorado, which I did a TikTok on that as well. Um, and you talk about like meant to be and serendipity. Totally. It, it's insane. And yeah, I just, and he's in a, such a different industry than me, but he's such a good yin to my yang, like a great balance for me. But yeah, it's definitely a great story for our kids one day (laughs) yeah also
1: for people listening who are single and are like i hate the apps i'll never meet anyone anywhere you never freaking know you really don't know who's sitting next to you you never know who you're gonna meet you
0: you really never know
1: so just totally. always be
0: ready. <laughs> it's funny because both of us, Kyle had actually, like, we both are such chatty Cathys like on airplanes. We're those people that if you sit next to us, we're going to talk to you, which a lot of people do absolutely hate. <laughs> I'm like, hey, where are you going? Like, I like your suitcase. What's going on? Mm-hmm. So it's funny that we found each other because we're both those people. <laughs>
1: I feel that way. There are <laughs>
0: definitely times
1: where I try and then there are times where it happens to me and I'm like, okay, stop. Stop talking. And yeah. I had this one woman, <laughs> literally an entire flight, I shit you not, she made me look through every photo on her phone with her. She was like, and oh. this is my other daughter's wedding and these are my dogs. And I thought <gasps> I was going to end after like five minutes and it lasted the entire flight. And I was like, lady, we've gone through your entire camera roll. Like,
0: what oh, are no, doing no, 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 um, no.
1: No, but I, I agree. I always am trying. I'm the person. I love to play the like, do you know game and everyone hates me for it. But when you connect with someone and you find a mutual connection, totally. it, it gets me so excited.
0: And I'm like, Same. oh, this
1: is so fun.
0: Totally. Same. <laughs> Joe's yeah. like,
1: hey, well, are you the type of person at restaurants I am fully in someone else's conversation? Like I am yeah. listening to every word that's happening at the table next to me. Joe could be proposing and I'd be like, I'm sorry,
0: I'm engaged in this conversation. I can't, I can't, I don't have time right now. Yep. I love doing that and trying to guess the dynamic. Like I'm like, yes, they've been dating for three months. It's, they're starting to talk about like being exclusive. I make up all the, the stories.
1: Yes. I'm always like, okay, well, what do we think's going on here? I am totally with you. And then while we're on food and to close out, I always ask, what are the three ways to your heart through food?
0: Oh, oh man. Um, it's honestly the hardest so question many, that, anyone that is could like ever, like, really. I know, so, but it
1: was my way to get to know people like my whole life. And so now I've always been like, it has to be the last question for the show.
0: Yeah. I like that question a lot. Like there's, I don't know if I'm going to answer it correctly, but there are definitely a few ways. So I always really, really appreciate it. First of all, a really good bottle of wine. If someone Mm -hmm. like orders a really good bottle of wine or brings it, I'm like, you are, you're in with me. Like, (laughs) I love this. It makes me so happy. My husband and I are total winos. Like we love it. Um, I also really, really pizza is, Like when my husband knows whenever I'm having a really bad day or a bad week, or he knows I'm fried, he's like, let's just go get pizza. And it just brings me so much joy. It's like nostalgic. It reminds me of childhood. It's like comforting. It's my favorite food. Like I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. But also, my last, yeah, my last way, I think also this is a different way. But when my husband makes a reservation at like a new restaurant that I've never heard of, like a new spot, I'm always excited. And it makes it like feel kind of novel and new and different. And mm-hmm. I'm always like excited to try new foods. and It's a new experience that you can kind of have with your partner. So I'd say that's like my third way.
1: And I I appreciate the
0: gesture. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh God. Well, there's nothing better than like, hey, I made this reservation. I'm like, what? You made a reservation? Such a low bar. But like, seriously, it is. Yeah. It's just it's something so nice. Um, and I struggle so much with New York of wanting to be a local places and loving places so much that I want to keep going. But also there's so many restaurants. I always want to try new spots. I mean, it's such a first world problem. But I do love trying new restaurants and you know, getting a feel for a new vibe, and it there is something novel and exciting about it,
0: yeah. So, those are my two ways.
1: To, <laughs> I have to ask just because you're from New
0: York, where's your favorite pizza in New York? I love Grimaldi's, um, I think that's really good, but I need to like honestly work on my pizza game because we always went to Grimaldi's, <laughs> but I'm like, I feel like I need to venture out more out here in the Hamptons. I've been going to Sag Pizza and Sag Harbor, um, okay. What's, where's your favorite in New
1: York I've never been to I've never had Grimaldis my favorite in New York I mean I'm kind of torn I love Prince Street pizza I do, oh, I that's love good. it yeah I also love Emmy squared it mm. is like there it's the Chicago style pizza well now they have like a few restaurants in the city so the one that I love the most is at their Brooklyn location it is just uh, it's heaven and then also I I'm kind of gluten free. I'm like gluten intolerant and I hate a bad gluten free pizza because I'm like, this isn't even Don't edible. Bother. It's not good. <laughs> it, it, this isn't like an enjoyable meal, let alone yeah. it's definitely not pizza. But Keste in the village makes the best gluten free pizza I've ever had in my life. It's comparable, it's as good as regular pizza. And so you're going to have to send I me these. that. Yeah. I'll send it to you. To I go. mean, yeah. I'm, <laughs> We'll come back over quarantine. We've been living at my parents' house in Jersey, and every time we're in New York, I'll get two casté pies and then ah. in, like tinfoil, freeze them in the freezer, like two slices at a time. So that when we want pizza in Jersey, I'm like, oh, okay, exactly. well, I have mine in the freezer. I'm ready. Oh, that's so smart. Dedication. Seriously. we we'll do literally with no good gluten-free pizza in Princeton. <laughs> so I'm dedicated to the cause. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on here. This was so fun getting to know you and learning more about your story. I think it'll really resonate with the Freckles Foodie community. And for everyone listening, where is the best place to follow you?
0: You can find me on Instagram, Emily DiDonato. Also on YouTube, Emily Donato, And TikTok, DiDonato Emily. <laughs> Perfect. All of those things will be linked. I'm also going to put the
1: specific YouTube that we talked about and the viral TikTok. I'll put all of those in the show notes, people, so you don't have to do much. Just click click on the episode. It's all there for you. Um, But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Cameron. Hello, my beautiful people. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Emily DiDonato as much as I did. I just find her to be a true breath of fresh air, and she recently had another TikTok that went pretty viral that I will also put in the show notes um, about how you know you can't take every photo you see of a model for what it is because there's a lot of makeup and tons of stuff that's going into that one shoot, and I actually got picked up by E! News, so here's to Emily blowing up continuously. Um, I want to chat about a few things. Welcome back to my solo recap ending of episodes. It's fun doing this. Um, This week, I shared that it is important to do things that make us happy and, you know, setting time aside for that. And 2020 has been fucking dark and tough and hard. And you guys know I cried on my Instagram this week because not only the death of RBG, but also just everything that's happening in the world and feeling like not enough people are speaking up who have platforms. So... It's been an emotional ride, to say the least, but you know, we're allowed to have emotions. We're allowed to cry. I'm not embarrassed about it. And I think that based on conversations I'm having with my friends over text messages and you guys over DMs, one thing is consistent is that the world is just heavy and there's a lot going on and it's igniting anxiety, fear, anger, so many dark emotions. And so we do need to find some time for ourselves to do things that make us happy So for me, that's usually cuddling with Joe or Charlie, spending a lot of time in nature, reading a great book, um, a bubble bath, taking an edible, a nice glass of wine, some journaling, meditation. You know, there's so many options. I pulled you guys and asked what you're doing right now that makes you happy. And a lot of people said long walks was one of the biggest ones. An edible, which I love. The freckled foodie love for weed, let me tell you. Um, the Freckle Food family love for read, And then also I did have one person say, you know, like not everyone has the time or the means. And I think that the wellness space has ingrained in us that like doing something for us or hashtag self-care has to be some expensive, extravagant action. And it doesn't have to be. I do believe that everyone has the means to do something for themselves because if you have time and it's just a cost thing, go for a walk, you know, get outside, read a book. I mean, technically you would have to buy the book. The walk is free. Um, and if it's a time thing, five minutes in a closet meditating. like you, ha- Everyone has five minutes to give. I do think we need to make ourselves more of a priority. Another thing I wanted to touch on, because I got so many responses to sharing this, And I'll put it in the show notes, but there was an Instagram post that I shared from the Depression Chronicles, which I just love that name, Um, and it's characteristics of high-functioning anxiety, which, ding, 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 I fucking check all of them. So it says, high-functioning anxiety is not a recognized mental health diagnosis. Rather, it's used to describe people who live with anxiety but identify as functioning reasonably well in different aspects of their life. So they gave some examples, what you see versus what they are experiencing, You see detail-oriented, me. They're actually ruminating and overthinking, also me. Um, You see someone outgoing. They're actually people-pleasing. Hello, me. Um, You see someone active. They're unable to slow down. I can't fucking chill. You see someone overly helpful. They're really having trouble saying no and are afraid of failing. You see someone who performs well under pressure. Um, they are either procrastinating or over planning. You see someone extremely loyal. They have poor boundaries. Like I could not check these boxes off more. And when I shared this, I got so many messages being like, Holy shit, this is me. I've never seen it put this way because I think when I say I have anxiety, some people are like, what do you mean? Like you do all this stuff. You perform well, like you achieve, you're successful, whatever, whatever. It doesn't fucking change what's happening in my head. I'll tell you that much. Like, yes, I don't have the type of anxiety where I'm like crippled and can't get out of bed, but I'm high functioning. And this is just really interesting. And I think really, I don't know. I wanted to share it to bring awareness to it and also to make people feel less alone because so many of you guys seem to have felt the same way. I also got some questions about a fertility update. So, If you are like, what is she even talking about? Um, I shared some stuff at the end of the Elisa Vitti episode, which I think was episode 72. I'm not positive. Um, And how my one doctor kind of jumped the gun after my blood work saying that I need to do IVF immediately. So right now we're still going with a second doctor's opinion and getting some blood work done and waiting for a few more things. But it does not look like that will be something we're doing now who knows, maybe further down the road, it might be something that's happening, um, but it's not something that I think we are going to jump into so quickly. But thank you for caring and also thank you for respecting my boundaries because I do appreciate everyone's messages and support, but also the understanding that, you know, I'm sharing what I feel comfortable sharing because this involves more than me, obviously. Joseph is involved. Um, Okay, also... I realized that this week was National Voter Registration Day. So people, double check your registration status. If you just moved, if you just turned 18, if you just got married and changed your name, if you just became a citizen, um, just please everyone check. I've literally checked 20 times just because I keep getting nervous. And I know I talked about this in my stories, but I recently officially switched parties and I'm now a registered Democrat and I was nervous that by doing this online, first of all, I never thought it would actually work online if we're being totally honest, but then I was also really nervous that it wouldn't, like it would somehow screw with my registration. So I've been anal about checking. Go to votesaveamerica.com slash register. I'll put it in the show notes. Just please make sure you are registered. That is the most important thing is that we all get out there and vote. And I will probably be reminding you of this every single week. Um. Okay, now I want to do two listener questions. So, in last week's episode with Shrink Chicks, I met, I mentioned that I had been potentially interested in becoming a therapist of sorts. So, someone asked a little bit more about your combos with therapists that you mentioned last week, RE, therapy as a career. I just feel so interested in the space. And you guys know I've had a bit of imposter syndrome with, you know, what is my title? What is my role? What am I doing here? What the heck does my future look like? It's still something that scares me. And I was listening to this one podcast, obviously it was Stack Shepard, and the guest he had on was a therapist. And it just was like, wait a second, I think I need to be, I think I, I want to become a licensed therapist. And I called Joe and I was like, I know this is crazy. He's like, it's not crazy at all. None of that is crazy. It makes total sense. And it's, I was a psychology major in college. My dad is a, ther- was a therapist. Um, But also I think for me, it's the human connection. It's the helping people. It's the dissecting of emotions and like seeing the broader picture. It just interests me so much. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love Freckled Foodie and what I'm able to do on here and health coaching is like having that connection and I would love to deepen it and further it. So right, I did talk with a few, a friend who's in the space and she connected me with a few people and I looked into, you know, the many different licenses because it's kind of confusing, not going to lie, and education and what that looks like. Right now, I don't think it makes sense for me timing wise. I really did really consider it like I straight up was almost about to apply um and my mom heard that I was like what are you talking about you never told me and I don't know why I never told her um but I don't think right now it's the best time and I do think that maybe it's something I do later in my life because who knows if freckled foodie is something that's going to continue at that point and maybe I want some more stability I don't know um, but I'm not closing the door on it. I'm really interested in it. So that's kind of where I stand. It's something I'm definitely interested in and will continue to be interested in. I just didn't think timing-wise with school, it made sense. Um, and then someone asked, do you smoke weed mainly for pain, sleep, or just for fun? And it varies. It start, Well, I mean, I started smoking weed just for fun when I was in high school and like breaks of college. Um, but... Then it became more of like a large player in my life because of my migraines and anxiety. So I guess that was more like for the medical benefits. And we are going to get into this a lot in an upcoming episode, all focused on the cannabis industry. Um, And then it was like, okay, this finally helps me sleep through the night. But I will say I prefer the beam dream for sleep in comparison to weed because I do wake up in the middle of the night after smoking or taking an edible And I don't like that feeling. Um, And then, you know, a lot of it's for fun. It just helps me unwind. I like it. I'm giggly. I I like that space that I enter. So it's a mix. It depends on the day and the night and what I'm looking for and who I'm with. But, you know, I don't discriminate. I love them all. I love all reasons. Um, That's it for listener cues. That is it for what I wanted to cover. Another fun thing I'm working on right now with a few members on the Freckled Foodie team is some merch. And as soon as I have information, I will share it with you guys. I'm pretty pumped about it all. I think we're going to do crew neck sweatshirt, joggers, an oversized tee, and a hat. And there are going to be some different slogan options for each. And within each option, there will be one slogan with a charitable give back. So I'm pumped. It's going to be something like I've never done before. And I'm curious how it will work, how it will be received, all of that good stuff. Um, But I will keep you guys posted on that. I think that's really all that's happening in my life. We are headed to New Hampshire this upcoming week, which I am super excited about. I'm really pumped to just chill and relax and sleep and hike and spend time in nature. And I've really tried to get ahead of all of October work so I can take some time to just chill Um, we're going to get tested before we go and right when we get there, since there is technically that New Jersey to New Hampshire quarantine, and we want to make sure that we are tested if we, you know, want to leave the house. So I hope everyone has a great weekend. Please be sure to rate and or review the show, screenshot, sharing your IGs, tag Emily and I. I love hearing your guys' thoughts, and obviously follow me on Instagram at Freckled Foodie and the podcast link or page is at FF and friends pod. I love you all. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my Way Too Active channel and at FFN Friends Pod for more information on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to give you the next episode.